stories to you. My name is Nick Milligan. I'm the host of this session. I'd like to begin by acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land on which I live and work, the Iwabakal and Waramai people, and I pay my respect to elders past and present. I'd like to give a warm welcome to any First Nations people who are here today. The Newcastle Writers Festival proper will return September 24 to 26 this year. So keep your eye out for the program, which should be out around August. All right, so how publishing works is a big subject. I guess what, today what we'll be covering is the ways in which your story can, can get out there into the world. There are lots of different avenues these days. Uh, you might go through a traditional publisher or self-publishing. Uh, yeah, both, both growing in size. Well, self-publishing, of course, growing in size, now over a billion-dollar market globally. Uh, we'll also touch on the role of literary agents. I know the next session after this one, uh, it will be a deep dive into literary agents, but we do have an agent here on the panel today for this session, so we'll touch on that. And obviously, we'll also talk a little bit about the business of publishing, uh, its, its machinations, and something that an emerging writer might need to know about. And uh, we will be taking questions at the end. So if something does occur to you, there will be a microphone that you will have to walk to. Normally, we'd pass a microphone around the room, but uh, because of COVID and all that, there's a stationary mic that you'll have to walk to, which we cleaned off after it's used each time. And uh, this is being recorded today. Uh, so it may come out as a podcast, so just be aware of that. Don't be too scared if you want to ask a question, but you may be recorded for all time. All right, we're almost there. The official introductions. We have in the centre there, uh, Jay Ford, who is a published best-selling author who has written five thrillers under her own name and two romantic comedies under the non de plume Jeanette Paul. Before her career as a writer took flight, Jay was a journalist for 12 years across radio, print and television, and then went on to start her own public relations consultancy. Jay was published um, completely through Penguin Random House, but has since changed the way she's releasing and publishing her work. We will get to that during the chat. To my uh, right here is Brendan Fredericks. Aside from having an honours in post-1500 English, English literature and a master's degree in creative writing from the University of Sydney, uh, Brendan is an internationally respected publicist who has worked on campaigns for a long list of famous authors from Elizabeth Gilbert, who wrote Eat, Pray, Love, uh, Charlene Harris, who did the, the True Blood stories, of course, Samantha Shannon of The Bone Season, Heston Blumenthal, Jermaine Greer, Joe Hill, Jeff Lindsay, who did the Dexter series. There's a long list. He was an events manager for Angus and Robinson before forging his career as a publicist with both Hachette and Bloomsbury. But he's now branched out on his own and formed a publicity and literary agency called B. Fredericks PR. Yeah? <laughs> All one word, I like. Why waste space in the middle? Ed down in there. Ed is a Newcastle-based poet, writer, and book reviewer, and has taught creative writing at the University of Newcastle. He has a PhD in American literature. Dr. Ed, Dr. Ed Wright. That's why I should have introduced you. Um, from the University of Sydney, he's written five non-fiction books, and his latest book of poetry, Gas Deities, which is for sale just over there, was released in September last year. He's also one of the heads of Puncher and Watman a Newcastle-based publisher of fiction, non-fiction, and poetry. Welcome, everyone. Let's give that a little round of applause before we get into it. 
Now, as I said, the session after this is a deep dive into literary agents and the role they play in getting your book out there and getting you published. But uh, we do have Brendan here on the panel. So firstly, I just wanted to ask you, Brendan, you obviously were a veteran publicist and still doing publicity, but what made you want to put on the literary agent's hat? Oh, it's hard to hear me. Okay, good. I'll speak quieter then. Um, what was the question? Um, why, why, how did yeah, I get into, into it? it? Um, well, I went freelance uh, about sort of five years ago, I think, and um, uh, I sort of saw that as an opportunity. I was sort of always thought in the past that, um, like, I guess I had discussions when I was in-house with a number of clients that um, uh, sort of the seed was planted that... Um, you know, publicity and sort of agenting is sort of the same, similar, like, skill set in, in a sense. Um, and so when I started my, um, went freelance, um, I put that, put that literary agent on the website and, um, but did, you know, pretty much PR until, you know, the right sort of authors came along, yeah. Um, so it's a, it's a, look, it's a much smaller part of my, of my business model um, than, you know, other agents like Jane Novak, who will speak uh, next. Um, but I'm sort of doing using it as a model where, where I'm a, some, uh, an agent and publicist at the same time. So I'll, um, um, it's a model I've used for one for one author so far, and, and, and signed another book under that sort of same same model. Um, so it's like more of a I'm more curating a list with my agenting. So you know, the majority of my business still is um, uh, doing publicity campaigns for. Uh, for books, for publishers, writers' festivals, book awards and stuff like that. Um, yeah, yeah. So when you're representing uh, an author, either as a publicist or a literary agent, what do your sort of day-to-day interactions with a publisher look like? What are the kind of things that you deal with tuning off emails from day to day? Yeah, there's, look, there's a lot, there's, um, yeah, it's, um, there's, there's a lot, so much goes into like sort of in, into making a book and it's, it's like daily conversations if you, um, a number of years ago, I did uh, uh, Nick Olds's novellas, and there's a question was raised there about you know the, the cost of these little novellas that fit in your back pocket. The 1999 was that too much? And sort of um, went into sort of the you know what goes into making a book. And if you actually start recording all the, the, the conversations and interactions you have with a publisher, it's just it's it's pretty mind-boggling. So yeah, but I I, I deal with publishers and editors. Um, Agents, you know, uh, quite you know, non-stop all day, really. Yeah. What are their sort of demands? What are the what are the sort of tough demands they sometimes throw you away? Um, uh, well, <laughs> without burning any bridges. What's that? Without burning well, any bridges. I mean, it's not really they don't put demands on you. Um, you know, you sit down at the beginning of a campaign and you kind of, you know, I'll, you know, write a sort of a campaign quote and you know, what. Kind of, you know, this is what I'm going to sort of aim for on that kind of thing. So, um, you know, the demands, well, they're more, they're, they're more expectations rather than demands. You know, maybe authors, even, I mean, look, even authors, I wouldn't even go so far as to say they, they make demands of you, but they do have expectations, um, you know. So, but, you know, some of the requests that, you know, that you kind of get more so from authors is, um, you know, when am I going to be on the project or when am I going to, you know, I'd like a review in Sydney Morning Herald and, Etc. Etc. So you've got to manage those kind of expectations because, um, yeah, you've got to you've got to find the right spot for for books. So not not everyone's going to be reviewed or in SMH or or be interviewed on the project. So and that's not to say that, um, yeah, yeah. 
What advice would you give to a writer who's got a manuscript finished and wants to try to find a literary agent? Is there a key piece of advice? Yes, well, lots. Um, and this is, I guess, where... Um, I, look, I advise, like, to have the manuscript sort of done, but it, you've got to... In, in looking for your agent, you've got to find, some, like, the right fit for you. So um, a lot of the time you'll get authors sort of saying, you know, this is my passion, this is my thing, this is what I want, and then they've kind of they're sending you a manuscript of like a kid's book or, or a, a number of genres that, that I'm definitely not into. Um, and so I think little, do a little bit of research, and it's quite, um, it's quite the same um, the way I approach publicity. So um, it's, you know, up to the editors and producers to sort of give me a sense of what they're after, but it's also my role to build relationships with editors, um, producers in the media to know what their likes and dislikes are. And so I pitch, obviously I'll pitch a crime novel for review to a crime reviewer. And I know that sounds kind of simple, but if you flip that, that's sort of quite similar with with agenting as well. So, um, you know, you need to get that bit right. Um, um, So that, and that's just basically doing your research online, I think, and, you know, um, um, you know, yeah, but I would also advise to you know come with a full package too. You know, have, you know, you know, have a publishing proposal written. Um, your approach to I think um, authors mistake. I think mean, a lot of people mistakes kind of confidence at the moment. You know, and can come across as arrogance. So I think you know, um, I think temper your. You know, I don't want to go as far to say be, show a bit of humility, but yeah. check yourself. But yeah, yeah, and no, I just I think yeah, but I think I think that's not so much the fault of. I think that's a message um, everyone's kind of given to be, you know, um, to be really super confident, and you know, and that comes across as sort of bravado. And I think you know, so yeah, but I think the key thing is is really doing your research and finding. So when it works, it works. Like um, you know, think of um, the last author I signed. You know, she um. She wrote me these, it was like, it was one of the best emails I've gotten. It was really kind of short and sharp and she name dropped a few things and it was just like, you know, and I responded to it straight away and, and you know, I mean, you know, we're kind of best mates now. We kind of talk constantly all day, um, which is, which is, which is nice. But yeah, so I think it's, yeah, you want to, you want to, you want to hit the right spot too because it's like, um, you know, you do yourself more disservice um, pitching something to someone that's not going to be into it than you do getting it right, you know. Yeah, and something. So, yeah, there's a little bit where sort of, I guess, uh, you know, experience in publicity and dealing with the media sort of. Um, mm. Joe, you had quite a long journey, about a 10-year journey to getting published. It actually, of course, happened for you. Could you talk a bit about what that journey looked like? Because you had three books out there you were trying to find a home for. Could you sort of tell... Tell us a little bit how that worked for you. Okay, so um, I'd basically been writing bits and pieces since I was in high school. Um, I'd written lots of bits of books but not actually finished anything. Uh, I was approaching 40 and thought if I don't finish a book, I'll be still on my deathbed thinking, oh, God, I wish I'd written that book I always wanted to write. So, um, yeah, so I started that process of getting published. Perhaps if I'd known how long it was going to take, I might not have done that, but that's a good thing. Um, yeah, so I it took me 10 years to get published. I had written three full manuscripts, um, two in another genre and one crime novel. The year before I was published, I had submitted one of my other novels to an unpublished uh, writer's competition and the post office held it up and it arrived a day after the closing date and so it was just sent back 
um, unopened, apologies, but unopened. Uh, and I did the big rethink about what am I doing? You know, like this is insane, eight years and I haven't been published, I haven't, I haven't had any interest at all. Um, I decided I really liked writing and if I was going to write, I may as well be entertaining myself because it was entirely likely that nothing would ever get published. So I started the crime novel I'd always wanted to write. Uh, and I wrote it in a year. Um, the next year, I resubmitted to that competition. I came second and I got a query from a publisher in the UK. And in the meantime, I went to a writer's conference and I did a face-to-face -face pitch with an agent for the crime novel. Um, she said, yeah, sure, send me 30 pages. I'm asking everybody to do that. Six weeks after that, I got the offer from the UK. And so can I just say the fun part of this story is after 10 years of hearing nothing from anybody, uh, I emailed this agent and 10 minutes later, she sent an email back saying, what other manuscript? And yeah, a week later I was signed up. Um, I polished up my crime novel and it went to auction uh, and uh, got in a bidding war and I ended up um, signing with Penguin Random House. And I like to tell that story because uh, it took three manuscript, manuscripts for me to get published. I had all of them out there with queries to publishers. I kept trying. Uh, I had some really weird and bad rejections. Uh, but, you know, I like, kept trying. And I ended up in a really great position. And the other two novels ended up being published as well. So it's worth trying. It's a great story. Now... I know that the situation now is slightly different for you. You've got some, your books are out in Australia with Penguin Random House, but you're finding a different way to put them out internationally. I know it's, it is a little bit of a complex story, but can you tell us the situation currently with your books and how you sort of came to be in this situation as well? Okay, so I have seven books with Penguin Random House, um, five crime novels as Jay Ford and two uh, women's fiction uh, as Jeanette Paul. And uh, all but a couple of them have sold to uh, translation rights in Europe, uh, which is very nice. Uh, but I never managed to sell any of them to the UK and the US. Uh, very difficult markets to crack if you're an Australian author and you've already been published here. So uh, Penguin Random House has my Australian-New Zealand rights for Jay Ford. And so I decided that I would try indie publishing with my backlist. So have been, in the last 12 months, been um, publishing, so there's five crime novels, I've got three up. The difficulty is that I'm still published here uh, with Penguin Random House, so I'm trying to market to outside of Australia. I got the rights back on my first two novels, so I'm actually able to internationally, worldwide publish those through online platforms. Uh, and yeah, I've got the other three going out uh, outside of Australia and New Zealand. So it's been a really interesting and kind of complicated process. There's not a lot of others like me that uh, still have rights owned elsewhere, so it makes it a little bit complicated with the online platforms. But, um, yeah, it's been a complicated journey, but interesting. Mm. So Penguin Random House were reluctant to let you do it on your own in the US? Was that the situation? Uh, no, so Penguin Random House has my Australian-New Zealand rights. Okay. Uh, and, you know, they've, they're great. They've been great for me. And I've actually been published with them for seven books, which is quite unusual, I think. Uh, my publisher is terrific and is always – she's English and she's always believed in um, building an author – um, the, the reason why I wanted to publish was that uh, once your book goes out and they've been sitting on Penguin Random House's website for um, 
five years or whatever, ten years, ten years, I was, ten years ago it was published, they don't get promoted again and they just sit there and people have to find them. So they don't get promoted by the publisher, they don't get promoted by um, other online retailers. Uh, some of them were no longer in bookshops, so difficult for, you know, people might come and see me do a talk, but unless I'm selling them, you know, I sell them, but if they want to go away and then buy them, they have to either look for them online or go to a library and find them. So I wanted to have control over promoting them as well, So, which is why I asked for the rights back on the first two. They'd been out for a while, 10 and nine years, and they were fine. You know, they, they kind of said, if you want to have a go at that and you're making some money, I'm not going to stop you. Um, and the nice thing about them is, well, the nice thing about indie publishing these days is that it can be a benefit to um, it can be a benefit to tra traditional publishers for us also uh, to be published independently because uh, you know if we're creating sales ourselves then you know if you already have a readership and you're able to build on that readership then their sales will go up um, you know if they publish something new so I don't know it's a it's a feels like a bit of a brave new world in indie publishing at the moment. Have you been able to keep writing new stuff or has this been a bit of a distraction, sorting that side of it out? Uh, yes, I have been able to write new stuff. It was a bit of a distraction, but, you know, life can be a bit of a distraction. And, uh, yeah, so it has actually taken me a little while to write another book. That's not because of the indie publishing, but I'd like to say it's just finished and uh, going, out to the, going out to publishers soon. So, yeah. Well, kind of brings me to our next question because I wanted to ask you, can you tell us a bit about the process when you are, have a deal with a publisher, you have finished the manuscript, how long does that then take to appear in bookstores? What's the process then? Okay, so Australian publishers like to have nine months. Um, so, the, so once you've been signed, it is a nine-month process. Um, they have your manuscript, obviously, when, you, when you've signed and then it goes through several levels of editing. So... Um, with, I think they are, different publishers call it different things. Penguin Random House, they call the first round of publishing a structural edit. You have a publisher, separate publisher to do, or editor to do that. In my case, my um, publisher has also been my structural editor. They look at scene structure, story structure, big picture things. If, if they feel that something needs to be changed, um, they will talk to you about that. Uh, and then the next level of... Um, of editorial would be the line edit and so you have another editor for that and they'll go through your manuscript very detailed uh, and make corrections on things like sentence structure maybe if they're if they're querying something about it what does this bit mean here this person was wearing white shoes and now their shoes are red so that kind of logistical thing as well um, and that's very detailed um, you're usually given short periods of time, relatively short periods of time to go through those. So a structural edit, you might be given anywhere from two to six weeks to do it, depending on how big the changes are. Um, line edits, maybe two weeks. And then there's another level of like a continuity edit after that. And then right up until the actual printing, I think printing happens maybe a month out from a release date. And uh, yeah, it can you can be still doing small, very small changes right up until well, on one book that was quite late, I was doing changes the night before it went to printing, which was a bit scary. <laughs> I imagine there's cover design somewhere well, in there. In amongst well. that, there's cover design. Yeah. Um, my publisher does let me have a say on the cover design. Not everybody gets that. Um, with a couple of books, she's had several covers designed, and we discuss 
um, what works and what we don't think works. She's got the final say. And I'm not a cover designer, so I'm quite happy for somebody else to be making that decision. Um, the slug line on the front, uh, she and I both write that. Um, and we throw that back and forth for quite some time. The blurb on the back, she usually writes, but I'll have a say and make changes and that goes back and forth a bit as well. So, uh, and then of course there's, you know, various online things. And when it comes to promotion as well, I like to have a say, I used to be in PR, so I like to have a say in how that's handled as well in terms of media releases and whatnot. It's a serious process, obviously, yeah. Uh, Ed. And quite long. And so often you're writing another book while all of those changes are coming in and you're kind of swapping back and forth, back and forth, which is, yeah, a bit crazy. Ed, you're one of the heads of uh, Puncher and Watman here in Newcastle, a boutique publisher. I wanted to ask you, could you tell me a little bit how that started. It was formed in 2005, is that right? Yeah, David Musgrave, who's a poet and novelist and teaches at the University of Newcastle, founded it in 2005. And, you know, he pretty much ran it by himself for about seven or eight years and then I joined joined in with him to do it and there's three of us which run it and have part ownership of it and there's another guy, Andy Kassane. Um Yeah. And why was it formed? Did, did he, was there a particular reason why he didn't need another outlet to put out his own material? Or? I think that, yeah, not necessarily that, but there was a real... And, you know, we publish a lot of poetry so, you know, so there's no margins in publishing poetry. But poetry is a real, I suppose, coterie publishing scene in a way. So what we felt was there are groups of poets who were kind of controlling the cultural levers, you might put it that way. And so one way of getting around that was to start your own press. And, you know, and it was a lot harder to do it then. It's got a lot easier with things like print-on-demand and e-book publishing and things like that to, you know, we've had to sort of, in the old days where you'd just get, you know, you'd have to guess the numbers that you'd get offset printed and, you know, there are books that have been, you know, driven out to the tip in their hundreds eventually because you can't afford the storage space anymore, you know. But now we can sort of, it, it's become a lot easier to do it and a lot more because the margins are ridiculous, you know, at least slim on kind of poetry publishing and also sort of indie literary publishing. You mean the, the profit margins you're talking about? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. It, it's barely sustainable rather than kind of profitable. Yeah. Well, it's a bit of a labour of love then, would you say? Oh, completely. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, I mean, we don't get any remuneration from it and the press has only survived probably on a couple of occasions because people have been very generous to it. And, you know, we've also been able to get Australia Council grants here and there. But there are times when we've been down to our last thousand bucks and thinking we're going to have to fold the press, you know? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned that you publish poetry. What other work does Punch and Woman look to aim to publish or look to publish? Um, we like to publish, I suppose, I came in it, into it mainly to build a fiction list. And, I mean, what I was interested in is, like, books that were a bit different but not necessarily getting picked up by the commercial presses. Because, you know, Australia's a fairly small market and, and, and one of the hazards of, you know, creating within that small market is if you are a niche writer, say, in America with a population of 270 million people or whatnot, then those niches are big enough to be sustainable. 
but if you live in somewhere like Australia, those niches aren't really sustainable. But that doesn't mean your work's bad and, and that doesn't mean it's not valuable and it doesn't mean that the experiences kind of being contained and communicated within that work is, is not as viable or as valuable as anything else in terms of culture. So I think there's a real role for these sorts of presses to be coming in and sort of picking up these books because, you know, they're books that deserve to be in the world and there are going to be people who find them and love them and, you know, cherish them. So I think that's really important. Obviously, you're a writer yourself and also work as a publisher. Uh, does that sort of shape the way that you work with authors, Punch and Wadman? And the, the process that Jade described of getting it from a manuscript, is that fairly similar what you guys would do? Is it as in-depth as that? Um, yeah, we just have a lot more of the one person doing the, the more things. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and um, But for instance, like, and our time frames can be, you know, just because you're not making a living out of it. So, like, for instance, I just had, I'm, I'm in the middle of editing some Puncher and Watman stuff, but then Harper Collins rings up and says, can you edit a book about rugby for us? And I'm going, yeah, they're going to pay me money. And I go, yes, please, you know. Um, Brendan, I want to throw one back to you as well. I, I asked you before a bit about the expectations of, um, from publishers, but in terms of putting on your, your publicist hat, the landscape to, to getting a book reviewed and getting media exposure of a book has, would have changed shape quite a bit since the time you've been doing it. In terms of, imagine, you know, there's, there's Instagram book reviewers now and things like that. Has the landscape changed much since you started in terms of the outlets where a book can be, get actual, actually get some press coverage? Um, a review, yeah, look, placing a review coverage... It's, it's, it's one of the things that authors always want, you know, like you can get like an author on, you know, they do two hours of Fightler and ABC TV or something and then they're like, oh, can I get some more review coverage? And then and you get lots of reviews and then they're like, why aren't, why aren't I on Fightler? Um, no, the, it, obviously the landscape has, has changed. It is, it's, it's always been tough um, getting review coverage, you know, it's, um, you know, especially for debut fiction, um, um, you know, uh, you know, the, the book pages have sort of, you know, when did I start? Yeah, I started publicity, like, over 10 years ago, I guess. Um, and, yeah, the, like, book pages were a lot longer then. Um, and obviously last year they've been cut back a lot. So that makes it a lot more difficult. But I think you're asking um, with the sort of the advent of, you know, Instagram and how's that affected review coverage. Um, and, and also and bloggers papers and being affected too. Are, are there mm. still as many book review sections as there used to be? I don't think there are. Not right. as much. No. Not as much. But um, the process of um, placing them is still the same. Like f from my side of things, you know, I, you know, I read a book, I connect with it, I, you know, write, write a pitch. You know, and I get in contact with um, freelancers or editors that I know will be interested in that in that book. Um, um, I tend, to, in terms of like getting placing reviews online in, in with sort of on Instagram <clears throat> and um, blogs and stuff like that. That's more genre specific. So I tend, if I do, um, used to be do publicity for Glance when I was at Hachette. So when I do um, any genre fiction, so like. Science fiction, fantasy, crime. I'll tend, I'll tend to get um, place coverage sort of online and with bloggers um, you know, uh, more so, you know, as much as I do in print. Um, so that's kind of a genre thing. But um, yeah, um, but generally I'm trying to. Generally I'm like, I'm I'm trying to place coverage in your traditional media first, and then 
all the sort of the Instagram stuff and blogs is bonus, but there's not really a sort of a, a polite way of saying it, but, you know, I guess a, a, a review holds more sort of gravita, you know, more weight if it's been written by a freelance, freelance, you know, you know, by, a, by an actual journalist, mm. freelance journalist, you know, um, as opposed to a blog, you know. The best thing about blogging is everyone can do it and the worst thing about blogging is everyone can do it. So, um, well, but the other thing is where are the readers reading reviews? I think that is really what counts these days. And, yeah, great, get something in the Sydney Morning Herald, but only great if it's a great review. I have friends who've had right. shocking reviews totally. in the Sydney Morning Herald, completely unwarranted yes. shocking reviews totally. in the Sydney Morning Herald. Oh, yeah. And, you know, your, your publisher always says you get more sales from a bad review than a good review. But where where are the readers reading them? If your readers are reading reviews on Goodreads, go there. You know, Actually, like, man, that's a good point. I, I wanted to add that as well. Um, it is where it's where the best place for it is. So, and I think I sort of touched on it earlier, you know, um, um, you know, somebody, you know, I'll get authors calling up and, you know, saying, oh, I see, I see, I've seen you've done, done this. And, you know, in short, they think throwing money at, at me. Well, I say to them, throwing money at me is not going to get your review in such and such that's not it's more of where your readers are so that's that's really what what is really key about um publicity is is, is exactly that placing so yeah so there are people are, a crime book's going to get you know the, the people that are reading the reviews and going to buy the book are you know you go to those on, online review sites for it so yeah absolutely right and that, that's what i kind of explained to a lot of authors too like um you know spectrum's not better than Anything, everything else, just because it's spectrum, it's you know stuff. It's it's how effective things are. So that's you know, and I think I think that's a sort of a misconception that <clears throat> a lot of authors have, or you know, and they might even feel that you know, um, why have they? Why haven't I got one in there? But so I explain a lot of that in a lot of time. Yeah, and that's a difference between the status appeal of getting a review in the Herald doesn't necessarily translate to sales. No, no, it's, it's just yeah. it's bloody ego stroking. So you've got a lot of the time. So you've got like this. Put on your book cover. That looks great. <laughs> but yeah, it's all. And I think it's. And I think this is something you can say across the board. Like everything is, you know, you know, finding an agent, the right agent, or me finding the right publisher for a book that I'm trying to sell. Everything's, you know, like, um, it's about. Yeah, and, and when you're looking for agents and publishers and all that kind of publicists, that's what you, you're trying to find the person that's going to connect with your book and knows the landscape and knows, you know, the, sort of who to speak to to get the book published or get it reviewed. Yeah. All right. Well, it's time to get more to, <laughs> towards uh, self-publishing because it is, I guess, a decision that new writers need to make and hopefully they, they do the research and things like that. But self-publishing or traditional publishing... Uh, I know there's a few differing opinions here on the panel, as we were discussing earlier. Uh, Ed, you're, you're quite pro self-publishing. Uh, well, I just think it depends on what you want to achieve as an author. Um, I'm certainly, you know, I, and, you know, I think you can produce really good books. And, you know, if you use a service like Ingram Spark, you know, they, it, it's really reputable. It works really well. Um, also, it collapses the timeframes. You know, like... If you'd self-published at the beginning, you wouldn't have had to wait 10 years to get published. And yet, then you've got a book out there. Like eight hours later, it's on Amazon. So. Yeah. And I know Brendan's going to disagree with me. He's, he's getting He's chomping ready. at the bit. <laughs> he's chomping at the bit. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that's the thing too. Like, you know, you, you could have... 
if you didn't wait for a publisher, you could. I mean, that's but that's that's. I think this is where the difference is. You know, what do you want to get out of it? And a lot of people, you know, do you want your name on a book as an author and a title? Well, then anyone can self-publish. Then do you know what yeah. I mean? You know, and, and if I'd self-published my first book, I would be embarrassed about it. Exactly. Exactly. I think there's there's ways about going about things, but there's a sort of an element of and whatever way you're going to be doing something, there's got to be some kind of element of quality control. You know, yeah. like um, you know, um, you know, I, I write you know as well. I had um, I get edited. You know, I get I you know I have my short stories edited by someone. I, um, I get you know. Some, you know, I get my clients, you know, whether it's a publisher or editor or the publisher that's, that's hired me from a publisher, they'll, I'll get them to proofread my media releases as well, you know, and stuff. Everyone, everyone needs to be edited. So, yeah. self, that's, and that, I think this is a, you know, um, so if you're going to get self published, I mean, everyone needs, everyone needs to be edited. And that's my advice before you get, contact anyone, get someone, just get your work edited, please. Yeah, I couldn't agree more strongly with that. But, you know, you can get edited and then still put that edited work up as a self, you can self publish that. And, and, you know, there's that quality control, but it's just not coming out through, you know, and you can get freelance editors to do that work. I mean, so. my, my approach to it is I think there's two, uh, you know, um, I think if you go self-publishing, if you've sort of tried, well, there's, there's a couple of, there was this sort of dichotomy that was either or that, you know, um, you get self-published if you go down that route, if you've sort of um, tried every publisher, maybe everyone's knocked you back and all that kind of thing, or... Or you're like sort of Stephen King, or even like yourself, who have who's had you've got a career established too, and then you can start calling your own shots as well. So I think there's a um, the thing with self-publishing. The thing you're gonna it's uh, uh, I should qualify what you're missing out on by self-publishing. You're missing out on the whole team of people that are working on you. So you, you it's very you can it's very good for you to doing what you're doing at the moment. I think it's fascinating actually. But you've worked with a lot of people over the years, and you've got all these you know you've interacted with all these experienced professionals. Like like, and this is the thing. Like, um, do you want to be an author or do you want to be someone that is selling the book and printing it and posting it? I mean, mm. sometimes I'm a, I'm a glorified bloody post office person. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, all I do is. Sometimes, you know, so, you know, do you want to write, um, you know, and, and that's, uh, I guess, the, the thing I was sort of, sort of say, you know, like a, a book designer cover designs books, you know, your publicist publicizes, your marketer markets, your editor edits, your writer writes. So that's, that's the other thing you're missing out on. And it's a beautiful experience. And I think that the other thing, too, it's a beautiful experience working with, like, editors and stuff as well. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not anti-ed or whatever. I'm just, that's my, you know... Mm. Uh, You'd I, have something on this, wouldn't you, Nick? You've self-published. Yeah, that's right. I have. Well, yeah, I've self-published my first, yeah, first two books. Yeah, the reason I self-published enormity in my first novel was that I just felt very strongly it didn't fit into one particular genre. It was a very, very hard book to even describe to people, let alone sell. Mm. So uh, I went down that route, and I did a lot of, lot of uh, research into it. And the print-on-demand thing, which I guess we touched on briefly, is, is pretty compelling because. Back, you know, back in the day, you needed a, a large publisher to simply bankroll the, the printing of hundreds of thousands of copies to fill bookstores, you know, which would um, very prohibitive for for a writer generally. Uh, now you can put a put a, a paperback up on Amazon; it's, it's up available eight hours later, and uh, someone buys a copy online. They print one copy and send it to them. You never even have to handle the paperback. So. That's that's pretty compelling. I think that's why we're seeing an explosion of self-publishing because the, the barriers have been removed. And if you have a bit of social media now and, and know your way around building a social media platform, and a, 
lot of young people do, you, you can get a bit of organic exposure for your book, yeah. It might look my view on things has changed within the, since we've been just like talking on email and like, you know, so, um, and, and, you know, because I'm being exposed to it. And this is why I find this really fascinating as well. Um, you know, because I, I mean, especially working for myself, I work in a bit of a bubble and I'm working quite specifically with certain kind of clients because that's how I make my living. But yeah, this, all these, there are, like, there's as many ways of writing a book as there are author write, writers. And there's, I think there's all, you know, uh, you know, there's probably as many ways to publish a book as there are books. Yeah, and I'm totally, and I think it's there's never an either or, is it? I think, you know. And I think I think Ed's right. It depends on what you want out of publishing. And so, ten years ago, when I was published, uh, indie publishing isn't what it is now, and there weren't the resources online for publishing yourself. And there was a lot of there was a lot of stuff going out there that perhaps shouldn't have been out there. Um, and me personally, I wanted to be published by a publisher. I really wanted that. I didn't have the self-confidence to put a book up and say, this is great, read it. I wanted to know that a publisher would pay money for that. And yes, my experience with publishing has been really great. Um, I also know a lot of authors who've had up and down experiences with publishers. I've, I know authors that have um, had multi-deals, you know, like hundreds of thousand dollar deals, uh, and been dropped overnight by their publisher. Had a huge readership, but drop it because the genre is no longer what they want to publish. Mm. And I also, and they, and yeah, and they have uh, created a really great business for themselves, um, maintaining that readership and publishing what they want. I have other author friends who um, love the idea about um, indie publishing in that. They can write what they want. And so one particular friend is what's called hybrid. So she writes stuff for a publisher. She also writes stuff specifically for um, her own e-publishing. So she'll go, I really want to write this story. I know a traditional publisher is never going to pick this up, so I'll, I'll put this one up myself. Uh, and then she'll write another book because that's what her what she really wants to write, and she knows that will be for a specific publisher. So she will put it out to them. So she creates what she wants. There's a lot of people that write short stuff to supplement their traditionally published stuff. There's a lot of people that like to write short stories or novellas that will never be picked up by a publisher. And there's a lot of really great books uh, online that are being self-published uh, that a publisher, they would never see the light of day um, in a traditional publishing house, but they're actually terrific books. I follow a number of authors that write fantastic, unusual kind of crime novels that would never be published by a publisher. One, in fact, so for an example, one is an American publisher who writes about, she writes cosy mysteries in Victorian San Francisco. I mean, there's no <laughs> traditional publisher that would pick that up, and they're actually really cool and fun, but you know, it, yeah, and so why not? Yeah, that's and, nice doing a bit of, I yeah. think. And so the other thing about self-publishing is that series is huge and if you can start latching readers in with book one, two and three and now you're writing book number 18, there's a lot of people making a business, a, an actual living and a lot of money, some of them, uh, by, being, um, by being indie published. But the other thing that you said is that they are publishers and writers, and it's about having high volume of stuff. You've got to be able to write fast and you've got to be on it all the time, and it is both both sides of that business. And for me, I really love being a writer. I would prefer to... I would love to have a publisher for my next book as well. I'm not on, I'm not on contract, but I would love to have a publisher. But at the same time, I've got a, some ideas for some stuff that I know a publisher won't publish, and I also know that I can do that. 
I look, I'm, I'm really all for doing things differently and not um, breaking the model. That's why I've kind of struck out on my own and, you know, I kind of touched on doing the sort of the agenting publicist thing, you know, which, you know, it's not going to happen for every client. But I do love hearing this stuff and I like, I like kicking against the pricks. Do you know what I mean? I think that's... I think... So it is, but, yeah, I think it's... I think one thing if you're going to self-publish is you've got to be prepared or to do your own marketing yeah. and, and, and that's the hardest thing. It is. And... Like when you're selling your own work, that can be difficult. It's enough it, as well. I think yeah. p- pitching yourself sometimes too. I think it's yeah. quite, you know, that's the bit I'd to, like to offload yeah. the most. You know, yeah, and, well, it's and, great and, to do publicity for somebody else. It's horrible selling yourself. Yourself, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, well, I hope people don't know that I wrote the back of my books with the blurbs on the back. Genius author Nick Milligan. Um, <laughs> I'm hoping they think that was someone else. Uh, but it, it, yeah. it is different. Eh? Like, actually, I might even ask you more afterwards. But how does it? How do you go about going? Like, I can talk to other people up. I just I can't talk, you know, what do you say? It's like, oh, I've got this, this is a really good book you should read, you know, written by me. It's Because it's, I do, and a lot of, like, a lot of my pictures start with, you know, this book's fucking awesome, do you know what I mean? And, you know, well, there's no way I could say that about my, you know. I couldn't say that about myself. You've got to find a reviewer that will say it for you. This is what so-and-so said about my book. Mm. Well, talk about yourself ah, true, in the yeah. third person. That's really easy. Well, we've got about 15 minutes left to go, I believe. So, uh, are there any questions? Now might be the time. I imagine there definitely will be. So, the microphone's going to be placed somewhere. Right in the dead centre. Hi, everyone. So, as a bookstore owner and as a bookseller, I am definitely not as diplomatic about self-publishing. Just to preface that for everybody playing at home. I would like to ask whether you think that the ease of access of self-publishing and vanity publishing, both of which can be done without the much needed and already discussed several rounds of editing, whether it's devaluing the prestige of both the novel and the role of the editor and the novelist. I'm the novelist. The amount of times that I had people come into my bookstore saying, can you sell this book for me? I open it up and there's two typos on the first page. I would be a very rich person if I was paying myself every time. So I just wanted to open up that question about vanity publishing, self-publishing. Sorry. I'll I'll, I'll jump into that one, being that uh, there are so many resources online now. Nothing you put put out there should not, should go out unedited. Everything should be edited. And vanity, vanity publishing does have a bad name for that, but I consider... Indie publishing, it's completely different. You are being a publisher and if you're the only person that's seen that before it goes up, then, you know, you've done the wrong thing. You need to find an editor, you need to find another editor and we're not talking about mums and dads and brothers and sisters and best friends. They need to be professional people. There are places online to find professional editors that will really give you a good idea on how to pull your book together and you need to listen to them. The same as if if you're in a publishing house. I'm with you. I, I started off as a bookseller. I'm still a bookseller. I still, you know, I'll go and f- I fix books up on a shelf every minute. So, but I'm with you on that, totally. It's, you know, plus, that's why I wanted to pick up on what you said. Um, we're missing a very important part of this whole publishing industry, and that's booksellers. And I think, um, you know, there's a reason, you know, in, when, you know, as a publicist, Festivals will have a bookseller, et cetera, et cetera. We, we, need, we also go through booksellers because that's an industry we need to support. And I think if you um, – what happened last year with a lot of books being pushed out because of COVID and I think a lot of people forgot about the bookseller. Mm. 
When you, you pay for it, but it's an investment in your business. It's an investment in your book. Yeah, I agree. And I'd, I would agree that I think editing in general has been devalued, um, particularly in the last few years. I mean, uh, just I myself was a sub-editor at a newspaper and we all got made redundant because we uh, weren't required, you know. So now, now journalists write their stories straight onto the page. Yeah, and that's, there's yeah, no, no filter anymore, really. Uh, well, the changeability of online also makes that. Yeah. Like you can have a screw-up and then somebody can come and fix it up. When it gets noticed. They, they, yes, yeah. retrospectively, yeah. 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 So many, it's shocking, yeah. like so many journalists, like well, ex-Fairfax, yeah, they're, um, they're, they're, they're copy-editing their own. It's terrible, the quality is shithouse. <laughs> Not ever edit your own no, work, that's for sure. No. But there are people also now, I mean, they're writing short stories into, into Reddit forums and getting movie deals and stuff. I mean, like, I can't imagine, there was a story happened recently, someone got a million-dollar movie deal of a horror story they wrote serialised in Reddit. And... Can't imagine that's being edited, you know. But people read it and don't seem to care. I don't know. Well, wasn't it Shades of Grey that began as a it did Fifty Twilight Shades of Grey fan fiction yeah. or something like that? Yeah, just change. because something. That's another point. Just because a book sells a lot doesn't mean it's good. <laughs> <laughs> that's so true, though. That's and true. Like, and like a lot of books said, like that sell a lot because there are more. You know, but it's the same. It's the same for traditional publishing too. Just because a book sells well doesn't mean it's really great. And there's oh, yeah. there's some. I mean. You guys here, you're all writing, I'm assuming, and some of you may have amazing books that will never see a publishing house. And that's not because your writing's bad. It's because publishing houses are a business and they have to find a way of selling your book. But don't don't let that stop you from what you're doing. You know, there are other ways and, um, you know, we're all great writers. All right. Good. Absolutely. Okay. Um, Nobody has mentioned the role of writers' groups and critique, and I am in an extremely good writers' group. Yes, you are. Hello. <laughs> we invite Jay to come and talk to us frequently. Um, and so if that bookseller had two typos on the first page, that writer had never been to a writers' group and never had her work critiqued. We do half the editing job already before our books get published and we all self-publish. Um, the problem is, as Ed mentioned and Jay confirmed, marketing yourself is shit. <laughs> <laughs> so two questions. Jay, is it Ingram Spark platform you're using? Uh, for online, for printing, yeah. Yeah, yep. And question to Brendan. Um, I only copped uh, the genres sci-fi and crime. What, what are the other genres you work on? Oh, not, not the ones I work on. I was saying that's the, um, the other genres that... Um, that you promote? No, no, no. That, um, I was talking about review coverage oh. um, and that, um, that I um, review coverage in, for genres such as science fiction, fantasy and crime uh, get reviewed on blogs and online more so than print. That's what I was saying. So when, so when I do work on publicity for a science fiction book or a, a, or a um, fantasy book when I worked for Galantz, uh, um, um, or crime books, so any genre, I'd be looking to place review coverage both in like traditional press and, but there's, a, there's such a big, um, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of bloggers and online review sites for those genres. That's, that's, that was more where that conversation... As you can see from my age, I am not great with social media. I tried Facebook and it took up all my writing time, so I quit it. I, yeah, I agree. Yeah, but, it's not, yeah. Um, but you've sold me on the need for a publicist 
and um, agent, and um, I'm going to start looking for someone like you. Thank you. <laughs> um, one point you did make was just critique, like being in a writer's group or um, doing a writer's degree or, a, 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 you know, a diploma, whatever, you know, like, like every writer should be critiqued and it's the most... If you don't enjoy that, like that's I, that's why you do it. Like that's why you why you do. That's why you you know study creative writing at uni or at TAFE or if you go into a writers' group, it's to be critiqued. And I think if you don't enjoy that process, I think you should don't probably do something. Find something else to do because um. And also, if you're not if you get, if you're sensitive to being critiqued, again, you know. Yeah. Well, what that gives you, it gives you readers. You need it, don't you? Like, yeah, we, that's the, they're your, your first friends are going to say everything's great, aren't they? Like, <laughs> oh, I love this. So I, I was in a critique group in Sydney for 10 years. I used to travel down to that and I would not have been published without that group and it's not just about critiquing but having that, um, that community of other writers is really, really valuable as a writer. Learning how to critique as well as and, being critiqued. And yeah, and, and le yes, learning how to critique, watching other people could critique other work also teaches you how to be objective about your own work. So if, if, you, uh, if you don't have a writing group, please do seek them out, even online, because they are invaluable. All right, it's your turn. Th thanks, guys. It's been so fascinating hearing from you all. Thank you. So, Ed, I just wanted to reassure you, I had a book published commercially last year. I had to do all my own publicity as well. Yes. And the publisher folded. So my, <laughs> my question is, basically, did I miss out living the dream because I went with an indie publisher? How much publicity do commercial publishers do and how do you decide how much to spend on it? And is it is it a commercial decision? So, you, yeah, like from a freelance... I don't, I don't know how much a traditional publisher will spend, but in terms of um, as being, you know, a contracted author, um, you mostly get three months um, focus on your book uh, as on its own. So you'll have a month before it release when they're building, um, you know, review lists and uh, media releases and whatnot. Then you get two full months after that where they try and get you out there as much as you as they can. Uh, they also organise placement in some bookstores. Um, I know that the the sellers like Big W, it's a really big deal to get like placement with Big W uh, because that will, they get a lot of people buying books there. Uh, and, you know, placement can also be um, ads in various places. I know the publishers tend to go, oh, we can do this, this and this and this and most of that won't happen because, you know, you're competing against every other book that's coming out in that month. Um, so as an author, I've always felt that I need to be part of that as well. And uh, so I do as many talks as I can. Uh, I... You're a good publicist. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and I, I will often write the list of who I think uh, I should try and get out to see. Some of those I can achieve for myself and I say I want you to organise those ones for me. Um, I have a hand over the media release because that's my background anyway and as an author I can continue to pro promote myself 
after the three months. So unfortunately, a lot of stores, they'll keep you booked for, well, the the big discount stores or the big chain stores like Big W, they'll keep you booked for three months and then the next lot will come in oh. and it's gone again, which is really sad. Um, others will keep it. But, you know, like being able to be an author and visit other places, if you're ever on holidays, pop into the local bookstore or offer the library an author talk or go and teach people how to, how to uh, write because, you know, at libraries and whatnot because that's another way and that, that personal contact with people is a really good seller and yeah. um, I, uh, I just really believe in doing as much for that publicity process as you can and, of course, your publisher will love you if you do that. Yeah, I mean, as an indie publisher, I love it when I've got an author who is willing to kind of generate interest in their title, you know, and they're going out there and then, you know, I, don't, I, I can understand, like, you know, I, I sometimes describe writing as kind of like acting for shy people. So, you know, you can't yes, kind of yeah, yeah. expect, you know, people to be able to go out. Not everyone can do that, yeah. you know, and a, a person <laughs> who writes a great book isn't necessarily going to be the person who's capable of doing that. But because you're always squeezed, it's always wonderful when you do get an author who is capable of doing that and being proactive about, you know, they walk, they're happy to walk into their local bookshop, for instance. And, you know, like Maclean's and people like that, they're really amenable to that sort of thing and to, you know, generating and, you know, to have a... Because you're part of that community. Yeah. And, and libraries as well. And, yeah. and, and look, you know, like... Not everybody can sit in front of a crowd and talk, but uh, there are ways of doing it. If you're a nervous or shy author, take a friend and ask them to interview you. Say to the local library, I've got this thing. Can I do a and a with my friend? We work really well together. And they'll go, thank you. Yes, please. So, And I think there's a, uh, a thought that as a new author that libraries and bookstores won't be interested in me, but, yeah, they are. And they are as nervous about approaching authors as authors are in uh, approaching them. So offer, um, you know, panels of authors and all get together if you're in a writer's group and offer that to libraries. There's lots of ways of getting yourself out there. Get yourself a freelance publisher. So I recommend you get yourself a partner. This sounds, no, it does sound like without, or joke aside, um, that's very much the case. Yeah, you, I, I hear a lot from authors, their experience with pub publicists and in-house publicists aren't terrific. A lot of the time you're getting a junior or whatever and, and they do have to work on so many <clears throat> different books, you know, like every month, like 40 books sometimes get published and you have to choose, you know, you're working on a super lead title, lead title, you know, and then you're touring. So, you know, you it's like anything. Your publicity is only as good as your publicist. So if you've got to, like, you know, so a lot of these experiences, and that's why I'm sort of saying, not in an awful way, um, you know, if you get yourself, you know, there's some firecracker of, you know, publicists out there in-house, you know. Um, yeah, so. All right. Well, I think we're right on time. Perfect. To the second. That concludes this session of uh, Fresh Ink, how publishing works. Hopefully it's uh, illuminated some aspects of it for you. Please thank our panellists, Brendan, Jay and Ed. Uh, Jay and Ed do have their books available there. I'm sure they'll have a chat to you and sign something for you after... This is wrapped up. Thank you again, guys. Stories to you.